0: coming up in the next episode
1: one of the things about depression i find or i found is there's not always a good reason to be depressed it's just a, it's just the way that that i was at the time and and and, and i couldn't really see any other escape and mm. um and i had decided and um and I, you know it wasn't a kind of leave a note cry for help anything like that i i calculated how i was going to do it
0: Welcome everyone to another interesting episode of the Turning Points. My name is Teppo, and today's guest is Adrian Reed. Adrian Reed. Adrian is an enthusiastic business analyst, has an entrepreneurial streak, having founded and being a principal consultant at Blackmetric, a UK-based consulting firm. He loves traveling. Is a multi-published author and writer um, with two uh, very well-received books. Business Analyst is the latest one, and the one before that, How to Be a Great Problem Solver. And he has also written, uh, being the avid writer, that he is hundred over hundred blog articles that you can Google and find across the blogosphere. Um, Adrian also. Um, is a sort after cof- con- corporate and conference speaker. Adrian, all these things are what you are. Welcome to The Turning Points, and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, it's my, my pleasure, Chappo. Thank you so
0: much for inviting me. How are you feeling, buddy, today?
1: I'm good. Well, we're living in interesting times. Um, I mean, we talk about, you know, you talk about Turning Points, I think... It's, it's, a, it's an interesting time to be alive right now, I think, for all of us in different ways.
0: <laughs> right, right. I mean, I've, I've said all these things about you, but uh, the, the thing about great people is they they usually miniaturize who they are. What do you say when someone meets you for the same first time and say, my name is Teppo. what is your name?
1: <laughs> I, I just normally say, hi, I'm Adrian, I'm a business analyst and okay. but its but but it's but it's interesting though right because that's a really interesting question because yeah. i i think and I don't really know why, but I think that being a business analyst is uh, is has become such a part such an important part of my identity mm. and i I can still remember the first business analysis conference I went to, and it was like coming home because I was working for an organization and I was in a team of business analysts and we we, we faced all these challenges and it's like, oh wow, it's not just us. There are other people out there and there's a community and they're doing all this cool stuff. And I, and I kind of, I I don't know, it feels like, it it feels like I was a BA before I knew I was a BA. Like, you know, a BA is born or made. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if you say, the the identity of analysis and being an analyst has become so sacrosanct with your personality. Why do you think that is the case? Is it because you 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 want to identify so much with the job title, or is it because uh, the function of analysis has just become so embedded in everything that you do?
1: I think there's a bit of both, but I think. So it's interesting because, like, ask me that question after a few beers, and you might get a different answer. Um, <laughs> but, 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 like, for me, and, and this is going to sound ridiculous, right? But, but one of the things I so so I I, I used to um, when I was growing up, I, I used to have um, aspirations to be in politics. Okay. And, when I was 18, I dreamed of standing for a member of parliament, and I still have a recurring dream where I'm in the, uh, like the town hall here, where the, the election results are, are announced, and, and the call the, uh, um, the recording officer, I think they're called, is reading out and you know, and Adrian Reed, such so many votes, you are duly elected the member of parliament for Portsmouth South. Um, now i've i've for so many reasons deferred that dream i don 't know whether i 'll ever pursue it but 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 what 's interesting is what drives me what dro- the essence of what was driving me into politics is is actually creating positive change right and and one thing I think that we do as analysts is we well, we don 't create but we, we like we, we, we foster we cultivate positive change and i think we have more influence than we than we sometimes know you know it's like if if, if, you, if you were a business analyst in a in a, in a hospital mm. like you know actually the, the, the you might be working on an electronic patient record system you might you might be mapping data fields but you know what that's going to create better patient outcomes more people are going to you know uh, potentially going to survive and I, I mean i spent a big chunk of my Time working in in financial services and in in insurance, and you could look at that and say, well, that's just about profit in people's pockets, which I suppose it is. But but then also, I always used to think, yeah, but insurance is also a product that's there when someone really needs it. Mm. And if, if, if as analysts we can create the best possible journey when someone's having a difficult time, when they really need the insurance, if we can craft those those journeys, that's the kind of thing I get a kick out of. Is 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 trying to at least create a bit of positive change in the world
0: (laughs) i like that Uh, and 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 i'd like to just maybe just pick a little bit of what you just said because you you mentioned the fact that you initially wanted to be or envision yourself as a politician and you know (laughs) uh, politics uh, always has this connotation of corruption the the, the, the fact that, you know, people are in it for themselves, masquerading, eating people's money and all these other things. What about your childhood actually said to you, um, you would do well going into this direction of career? Because right yeah. now politics is, is a career, is it not?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, and And I think... I mean, it's interesting because I I never saw it as a career and it was always really just a pipe dream. Right. But and you're right. So, I mean, you know, I I don't know. You know, I I can only speak for UK politics, but there are certainly career politicians. Mm. And and I actually think that we would be better off if we had more (laughs) more representation from normal people.
0: Right. Um, uh,
1: uh, not that not, I'm saying they're not normal people, but people who have different life experience, who okay. didn't didn't get a degree in political sciences, who didn't join a political party when they were 16 and and, and, and so on. And, and so my, my vision was always to stand as an independent and, and to somewhat disrupt the, um, you know, disrupt the system, which probably isn't a very good idea, yeah. but, Um uh, and uh, you know, and and I, I was thinking about this just the other day, and I was thinking, you know, like that the Houses of Parliament here in the UK, everyone wears a suit. Right. Now, as it hap- as it happens, I wear a suit. Well, not right now because you know the COVID situation. But I would normally wear a suit because it gives me confidence when I'm presenting. Um, but the vast majority of people in 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 this country don't wear suits. So it, it just like what's the, the I don't it 's a really weird that the people that represent and legislate it 's a weird ceremony to to wear an outfit that doesn't represent the people whose interests they 're supposed to be representing so I, I have a dream of like getting elected and then going in a, a really really colorful shirt and jeans and <laughs> getting thrown out <laughs> <Jeepers>. <laughs>
0: i didn't, i mean I knew you were a good b a but i didn't know you were also a rebel
1: <laughs> yeah well but but you know what i I've genuinely um think that good b a s have to have a streak of a re- rebellion in them right because i, I mean i 'm sure you've found the same chap, but some of the some of the most valuable things i think i 've ever been able to do or, or, or to help organizations do um, is to actually stop them doing things and right. to ask really difficult like uh, you know you have to ask really unpopular questions yes. like, should, should, like should we be doing this and yes. does this fit with the strategy and, and and sometimes we have to put our hands up and say hang on a minute I don't think this is a good idea I think we need to pause right and and I think we should always have the courage of our convictions to do that
0: and for me that is is the mark of a really good ba the fact that Mm -hmm. you you must have that temerity to to say um are we answering the right questions here by building it this way or by doing it this way you know and and how in the end of the process are we going to help the people who are going to be doing this because a lot of the times uh, business analysts are expected to just be, you know, people who either produce user stories with the new agile thing, and in the olden days, uh, business requirements document map processes as they are, and then go to someone else called an SME and and do the the 2B state. Um mm-hmm. is how do we actually cultivate that? that behavior in business analysts, because I, a lot of people actually, when you start doing that, they look at you as if you're, you're insane and somewhat of a hero. And for me, it's <laughs> like, this is par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this I, something I, 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 that can be cultivated or, or do you either get born of it or not?
1: Oh, I, I, I a hundred percent think it can be cultivated. And I think, I think, one of the skills that I lacked early in my career and I didn't even know I lacked, it was resilience. And by, by resilience, I mean the ability to take the flack mm. that comes and also to be okay with disagreement and to be okay with disagreement where people are blaming me or blaming my team or blaming because temporarily they think that's the case until we've you know, until we've convinced them, convinced them differently. But I, I think part of the cultivating, it's, it's, it's interesting because you, you mentioned quite, quite rightly that we, we often get thought of as people who write requirements or, you know, articulate user stories or draw process maps. And of course, we do all of those things, but I'm going to be really controversial now mm. and, say that, and say that while those things are all important, like they're, they're essential, but they're not enough. Mm. You know, we we need to do those things, but those things I believe are, are not enough. Right? And it's there. There are means to an end. They, you know, they're they're, they're artifacts. They're outputs, but they're not outcomes.
0: Mm.
1: And you know, in the same way as if I was a politician, right? And you know, a politician might say, "Well, we've you know we've we've been really successful. We've created three new laws in this you know in this semester or whatever." It's like, well, that's great. A law is an instrument, right? A set mm. of requirements is an, is an instrument. But has that law actually helped the people that it's supposed to help? You know, has it enabled wealth to be re- redistributed to those that need it or whatever it's supposed to do? The same is true of our requirements. You know what? A, a, a set of user stories on Jira are just a set of user stories on Jira mm. until someone's actually benefiting from some meaningful, valuable change.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um. It says here yeah, you're you're the principal consultant at Blackmetric mm. and founder. Um. What does what a what does a principal consultant do? That's different to what a business analyst does.
1: Absolutely nothing. Okay. the the the, the answer is absolutely nothing. The reason that that um that is the title is because in some organizations, business analysts are seen to have a narrow remit. However, um, if you're badged a consultant, you can, you know, if you've got the skill and and if you've, you know, and if you've got the proposal, then you can do it. Hmm. And what I find really curious, uh, uh, you know, because I'm always coming externally into organizations, Hmm. is... I see situations where some organizations uh, you know, if I think about when I was employed, I would have not have been taken as seriously as I am now externally because I have the word consultant in my title. And that to me is crazy because I think organizations should empower and listen to their internal BAs. Um, You know, there's of course a place for external consultancy, but internal BAs can, often do the job you know just as well
0: <laughs> right right and 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 maybe just let's just peel that a little bit uh, one level deep so you say internal consulting should be where things are happening but when you go into um consulting uh, uh opportunities at, at businesses you find a lot of Internal people are there, but really not doing very good work. Is that by design or is it because after, after a while the The excitement of doing things get beaten out of them
1: So, so I think um, I, I, I Wouldn't say they aren't doing good work. I think often people, well, I mean there, there may be situations where they're, they're not but but generally they're doing good work, but they're perhaps not feeling listened to and so i see some teams where perhaps and you know and i've been in this situation myself in the past where business analysis of you know it's typically an an organizational structure issue mm. where i don't know maybe the ba team is attached to the it function and that means that the ba's are only involved if there's perceived to be it change and they become and they have to fight to say well hang on a minute We need to see the end-to-end processes and we need to be understanding the the strategic elements. And so I think sometimes people get painted into a box and it takes clarity of message and almost like constant repetition with stakeholders to to help folks understand that, you know what, as BAs, yeah, it doesn't matter where we sit in the organisation. There's a whole bunch of things we can help with. You know, we're not just about, it requirements we're not just about requirements you know we're about a whole bunch of
0: of things mm, mm. um you, you you say also that you've you've written two books the latest one yeah. being business analyst. why mm. are you i mean the business analyst the book three at least uh, is trying to broaden the function of analysis by taking it away from the title why did you attach the title to a book? Um, what was the core message that you were trying to to teach here?
1: Yeah, so um, so I, I interviewed a whole bunch of practitioners in 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 sort of as part of the research for the book, and what the what the book was trying to do essentially is to say, look, business analysis is really broad, you know, the BA book tells us that there are other you know, other institutions out there like BCS and IREB and, and, you know, they will will say this, the same sort of thing. The world is converging on this view that business analysis is broad and that's a good thing. But what that doesn't mean is that every BA has to do the entire breadth of what's in BA book version three on every single project. Mm. You know, there will be times when we don't do all of the strategy analysis and maybe someone else does it. Who's perfectly qualified to do it. And that's Okay but there will be times when we need to do the strategy analysis and, and either way we certainly need to understand the you know the work that's being done so what what it really looked to do is to say okay um, what is a business analyst role what does it look like or what could it look like what are the typical levels so if you were say a junior BA what what which which skills might you need if you're a BA if you're a senior BA and it also looked to say well, what's the career path because I you know it, it used to be and, and I haven't heard this for about a decade here in the UK I, I don't know if you hear this in, the, in South Africa but um, there used to be this this belief like it used to really grind my gears but people would like say oh okay so you're a BA so, um, so are you looking to you know eventually get promoted and become a project manager." Right. And I'd be like seething, and I'm like, it's not that I don't like project managers. I mean, they're they're great, but like, no, I, I it, that's not my passion. My passion is business analysis, and I want to become a senior BA. It's not, you know, it's it's a different career path to, in right. my mind. Um, and so, and so, it was putting together the sort of career path and how certification might fit into that, and and combining combining that into one. One source was the the philosophy
0: excellent um, um, let 's talk about your your childhood so I mean, where did Adrian Reed grow up i mean you, you in South Africa, you well loved and i 'm sure uh, even internationally, when you, we went to Slovenia together, um, they were quite looking forward to meet this interesting Adrian Reed and assuming. Uh, guy with a powerful mind Uh, where did you grow up and and what was your childhood like
1: yeah so I I guess like most people um, I mean it's interesting isn't it looking back I I think you know I had a, a, a fairly happy but mixed childhood as I suppose we all did there were some highs and lows uh, I grew up in, or I spent most of my time uh, growing up in the UK in a suburb just outside Portsmouth. Uh, I spent one year living in the USA as a as a kid. Uh, I lived in Rochester, Minnesota. Okay. And and that was a really interesting time because, like, you, you look at that, and then, you know, this was, I was 10 years old or nine years old. This was, you know, this was a long time ago. And... You look at that and think, well, they're both English-speaking
0: nations, right? Yeah,
1: it should, be, yeah it, should be, it should be easy. But, I mean, the, the, the versions of English are subtly different, but the cultures are far more different than people realise, or, or they certainly were back then. Right. And, you know, I was sort of parachuted into a situation where pretty much one day I was in school, in the UK and then there was a long flight and a few days off and and then I'm you know in school in, in another country and everything's different you know mm. even down to crazy things like the like the type of stationery they use is different even the pencils took mm. like in in the UK we have a standard type of pencil called an HB pencil okay. and in the US it was an american okay. an american number 2 pencil so like your frame of my frame of reference was gone and mm it was whilst whilst I would now as an adult re- reflect on it as being a broadly positive experience because it was it it, it, it it gave me exposure to another culture it was It was quite a hard time because you know you arrive, you've got no friends and oh and you've got no friends and you're the outsider and that right. was a it was a it was as I say a mixed time <laughs>
0: So, I mean, you're talking about you know the the cultural nuances that are different between those two English-speaking nations, but and also the lack of friends. And what other kind of challenges have you experienced in your life as as you were growing up?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think, and this this is something that I, I mean, it. So I I had some, uh, I I recognize now I had some mental health issues. um, In my sort of mid to late teens. Okay. And I, I I was definitely uh, suffering with that. Well, depression and probably anxiety. Okay. Uh, But this, but this was a time when uh, certainly in the UK, mental health wasn't something that anyone really seemed to feel comfortable talking about. Right. Um, And, and there were sort of mantras at the time, like "big boys don't cry," right. uh, and and you know, and people would say things like, "Well, what have you got to be sad about?" You know, every, every you've got a whole you know everything's going for you. Hmm. Um, and and I think one of the things I've 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 learned from that because it, it took me a, a, a whole. Period of discovery to to get through that, and I still you know I still suffer from some issues to this day recurrently, not nowhere near as severe, thankfully. Mm. Um, but I think if anyone has been depressed and, and has got through that, it creates an empathy and but also a real resolution to never ever let things get like that again. So I, I'm I'm far more okay with. Asking for help and, frankly, talking about mental health than than I would have otherwise have been, and that's really helped. You know, in the, in the COVID and lockdown situation, is you know I'm I'm quite happy. I, I had a you know a call with some some colleagues the other day where I, I just had to say, look, I'm you know what I'm just I'm just having a really off day. It's not you. I, I just and can we you know and can we do this another way? Mm. And I think it's important for us, especially at the moment, to recognize that, you know, people are, every, everyone is experiencing different things right now, which is, is you know, we, sh- we should we should be kind to each other and be mindful of mental health, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that is actually quite a very big thing. And I remember one time reading on your profile, um, the story about, um, the moment where you decided where you had decided that you wanted to end your own life. Um, mm. and yeah, was, was this the same period when you were having self identity issues and depression?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hello. Adrian,
1: I think, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a raw story, but I, I'd, I, I'd, I, um,
0: yeah. Can you hear me Teppo? Yeah well you can, you can hear continue me?
1: yep ah. ah yeah yeah so um so i mean it was a particularly dark time and and i mean one of the things about depression i find or i found is there's not always a good reason to be depressed it's just a it's just the way that that i was at the time and 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 i couldn't really see any other escape and mm. um and i had decided and um and i you know it wasn't a kind of leave a note cry for help anything like that i i calculated how i was going to do it and and i sort of went to do it and um but i was i was disturbed because a cat <laughs> sure. a, a cat caught my attention and i just broke down because you know cats are quite well, I like cats, and cats are quite um, affectionate. You know, they they're nice to stroke, and, and 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 so I didn't do it. But that for me was an important turning point because I recognised that you know what, before that I was making mental calculations in my head about is this is this building tall enough? Because you know, I, if I, if I do it, I really want to die. I don't want to. What I don't want to do is is live with a permanent injury, um, and then a cat you know a cat of all things so I, I mean yeah it's and and that is something i do think about from time to time is like you know what however bad things seem on a project or whatever well
0: every day's a gift you know <laughs> yes it is every day is a gift let's take a break and come back I said, okay. pretend you got no money. And she just laughed and said are you so funny I said yeah huh. oh, i can't see anyone else smiling
1: you wanna live like common people. You wanna see
0: what common people see? Welcome back, everyone. Still on the line with Adrian Reed. Adrian Reed, uh, the famed Adrian Reed, the <laughs> world-traveled Adrian Reed, the principal consultant, Black Metric founding Adrian Reed, and the two times author published uh, Adrian Reed. Adrian, welcome back, my friend. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Chippo. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. I hope that uh, smothering uh, will end me a friendship title from you. Oh, you already have that title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent. So, I mean, before we, we, we went to the break, we talked about a very, very important topic, which I think a lot of people really underestimate um, mental health. And I mean, even in South Africa and the States are saying that, you know, it's a lot of, especially men, uh, as Mm. you said, you know, tigers don't cry, boys should be boys and all these things. And people are really afraid of, of seeking help. I mean, if you were to find someone like that and you were to use yourself as an example, what would you say to someone who's facing a bleak time, and you know, especially now with COVID, we're cooped up in the house. Uh, work is tough. We're losing families and friends, and sometimes even spouses. Uh, work is, is scarce, Money is tight. What do you say to someone who's thinking of you know, at the easiest ways to end it all?
1: I, I think the most important thing is to get you know to get some sort of help and that that doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have to be a doctor it could be a friend like pick up the phone speak to someone if, if anyone is anywhere near that speak to someone and, and speak to someone soon a, a phrase that i heard later in life which has always resonated with me and, and i'm going to get the phrase wrong but it goes something like um the, the darkest point of the day is just before daybreak hmm. And the reason this resonates with me is because, you know what, things, things do get dark. And, and, you know, and hopefully most of us will, will never have to experience that level of depression. But there is another side and, and it will get better. And sometimes the only way through it is through it. Mm. But, 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 but going through it with friends is... Is the best way and and I think that that the other element is we all have I believe an ethical imperative to to look out for people and and like and like people say the weirdest thing like it, I mean if, if someone has a has a broken leg like no one would say to them well why don't you just try and walk a bit harder I mean like that would be a really
0: you know, thing really, to
1: see. yeah, yeah. Really, really awful thing to to do but if like if people are depressed sometimes people say well why don't you just try a bit harder to be happy you know like mm. why don't you why don't you smile a bit more or, or you know and and well actually it's it's just, people who are properly depressed are 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 are, are 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 ill and you know deserve empathy so i think right, i think right. we we should all be very mindful of that and and you know be as i say be kind and, and help each other through i think is, is the way
0: right right i like that um so it's adrian reed is 2020 a year which many people thought was going to be 2020 vision um <laughs> and god says to you know appears in in one of his sessions with you and said adrian i want to reset your life uh, Covid, forget Covid, forget everything that's there. What are the three advisors you would give a new, brand new Adrian Reed? Mm.
1: I think I think one one thing I I didn't appreciate, but I was very lucky, is like stick with your friends. And 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 make an effort to keep relationships with friends long after they've moved away. Because, like I, I am still in touch now with people I've known since I was four years old. Hmm. And you know, we stayed in touch when I when I was away in America, and then when I was back, and then when everyone went to university, and and that group of that, those are the kind of people that I could just ring at midnight. And say, I need help. And and they could do the same. So I think actually like it's so one of the things which I find really bizarre about today's world, and it must be very confusing to grow up in today's world, because you look at Facebook or LinkedIn and everyone judges people by the number of connections they have. Mm. But I think for me I'd say, Yeah, you know, do that on LinkedIn or whatever, but in your mobile phone. You know who are the six people that, that will take your call at midnight or the twelve, right? Really, really don't ever lose that. I think that's so important. And and yeah, build other connections as well, but but keep the core. And of course that, you know, that's that's as well as family. You know, family connections goes without saying. Um so I think I think really really making an effort to keep those connections going. I think right. I think the second thing which is something I'm still learning, I think, but is like there's definitely something in being our authentic selves. Okay, and like I still, I still, when I'm presenting, I, I you know metaphorically wear a mask, right? Because I think, and I think that's not unusual. You have to be confident. You have to present this, this, this seemingly spontaneous performance but what the audience don't know is you've been practicing it for months and every little every little stutter every little stammer is rehearsed normally Mm. for me yeah and but what i've found is that whilst that's important in some circumstances you know the actually authenticity you know authenticity is good and what you know one thing i'm trying more and more to do and, and covid is kind of allowing it is it's just to bring more of me to what I do, because I think I, I grew up in a world imagining, you know, if you think about like the 1980s where everyone was in sharp suits and it was, you know, and, and there was this this perception that everything was high powered and you had to, or certainly in the UK, I, I have no idea what it was like elsewhere, and, you know, and, and I'm and I'm thinking that that's not my, you know, that's not me, and it never was me, um, so I'm I think I think being authentic. So, so sticking with your friends, being authentic. Um, I, I think a third, a third piece of advice would be write. Well, and and it doesn't really matter what, but write and write regularly. Because I started writing a blog as an experiment in two thousand and nine, I think. Okay. And. <laughs> and if you ever go back and look at the articles from 2009 and 10, they are rubbish. I mean, they're just, <laughs> they are unrelenting garbage. Right. But, but right. But I had to write that garbage to learn how to write. And that and I process. Think with every, yeah. 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 With, with every article I get a little bit better, you know, and, 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 and maybe, you know, and that, and that's an ongoing process, but, but that just created so many, uh, I mean so many opportunities emerged that I could never have expected you know I, I got asked to write for other publications and then you get asked to speak and then you know and then ultimately i mean both books I wrote I got contacted by publishers saying could you you know would you be interested in in writing writing a book um, so I think writing and, and I think writing helped me clarify my thinking on on, on so many things and mm-hmm. Most of my blogs now though, it's like, and, and uh, they're a bit of a, an output for me, like something will happen.
0: Mm. And
1: it's a way mm. of my brain processing it. It's like, you know, there's it, it, like some people sometimes ask me, how do you come up with the stories that are in your blog? I'm like, they're just things that happen. Yeah, <laughs> They're just like, yeah. it's nothing more interesting. It's just it's the things that, that happen in my life. And I write about them and relate them to business analysis because that's how my mind works. <laughs>
0: and, <laughs> And and it's very interesting because I remember one year when you came to South Africa to speak at the IIBA conference, you talked about uh, business analysis is like magic. And com- yes. I didn't quite understand it at, at first, the fact that you knew the back and forth process of the magic process until the other day you talked about your husband being a real practicing magician. So it's, yes, it <laughs> it's like, okay, so this guy is actually stealing or rather using real life material or live lived experiences to try and sync it with the process of analysis. Is that, is that true?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, that was one of the most um, stressful presentations to give because, um, I mean, you're right, my, my husband, Matt, is a... Um, it is a, a professional magician, uh, yeah. but he taught me he taught me some tricks to incorporate into the presentation. And of course, I'm not a professional magician, yeah. so I had to really rehearse those tricks. And um, and it was like about a 50-50 chance whether they were going to work because,
0: like, it's really hard. Like what magicians
1: do is really hard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it looks very hard. I mean, but and 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 it's quite entertaining because I saw the multiple souls that went into one kind of thing, and yeah, <laughs> quite mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, is 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 he the first person you run to when you're looking for good advice, or, or do you have you know like that sex or that dozen of people that you run to when when you need some good advice?
1: I mean, definitely. My my husband Matt is. I mean, we, you know, we we are. And I mean, through through this whole COVID situation, we've been there for each other constantly. We've very much got through things as a team. You know, Matt does some. You know, he helps out with some stuff on the sort of business side as well. So he is absolutely. Um, I, I mean, the, the, you know, we we mutually support each other, but yeah. I he supports me so much in. In what I do it's hard to imagine being able to do (laughs) to do what I do I think everyone needs like a strong spouse or partner or someone in their life and I'm just really really lucky to have him
0: (laughs) brilliant um what what are you what are are you afraid of now are are you still scared of your own thoughts or have (laughs) you found a way to cope with that and and what what still scares you as Adrian Reed?
1: I I don't think I'm scared of my own thoughts. I think, um, I mean, I think a lot, I mean, I know we all think a lot, but I, I worry about divisiveness. I worry about, um, I see world events happening and Mm. I see, I see people profiting and people deliberately talking about our differences. and. You know i 'm of the opinion that we cannot let the world go back to a place where like we 're all just human it, and i I just can 't fathom the, the the way the dialogue and the news work sometimes, the aggression that 's being created and the division is really worrying hmm. and if there 's one thing that might eventually spur me to go into politics, it would be. If I see that you know if I see that divisiveness happening because you know so many people in history have fought so hard for the the, the you know for the for the imperfect equality that we have today mm. um i I just would never ever want to see that roll backwards and that that scares me a lot at the moment <laughs> sure
0: yeah i mean it's it's quite scary and as you say there are others who profiting and while others are losing life senselessly, which is quite sad and heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, we are um, a random question that we, that we have for you today. You can choose to answer it or pass. Um, mm-hmm. No questions asked if you pass. Um, does business analysis have a future?
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Big question.
0: Um,
1: yeah i i mean i th- business analysis in uh, uh, business analysis has a future okay whether or not whether or not it will have to have people called business analysts to do it uh, so uh, i this, uh, this ironically goes back to your, your earlier point jeppo in that i think that business analysis is what matters rather than the title mm. and i think that as the discipline matures, we're going to just worry less and less about what the title is. And also I think we're going to see people blending in other practices. So, you know, I, I am very fond of and do a lot in, in uh, like, systems thinking, for example, and I think mm. systems thinking and business analysis, there's an interesting connection, but it could be that someone else blends user experience and, and business analysis. And for me, I think the most exciting points i see are, are actually in where, where where all of those things overlap it's like well what 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 could we create if we brought you know if we merge those worlds together and i think the more we do that the more inclusive we are of our colleagues the more interesting stuff we'll be able to create and and it goes, it goes back to creating better outcomes you know getting more people involved
0: right right um what's been the song that you've been pumping for the past week um and if if you listen to music <laughs> and why that's
1: yeah a- yeah so um <laughs> so i mean i've been listening to a lot of songs from the 1990s recently because because okay. uh, they remind me of a, you know they remind me of a more stable time and okay. uh, one that i've been listening to a lot recently is a song by a, a a uk band called pulp okay and uh, it's a song from it's a song called common people it was released in the mid 90s and it was i mean in many ways it was when pulp ha- they peaked but as a pulp fan normally i would say it's one of it's not their best song but it's the, it's the most catchy song but it's sort of a it's a sort of a a critique in some ways of the of the class system in the uk in that uh you know, we pretend not to have a class system, but there sort of is one. And and in the mid-90s, there was sort of a uh, this weird counterculture where people would pretend that being poor was cool. So you'd have people who had money pretending they didn't have money. And it's, a, it's an interesting song on a lot of levels. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Sounds interesting. Um, so what is the one thing that you and people don't, always agree about that that one truth that you think you know a lot of people are uncomfortable about it so you know what i think it boils down to the fact that
1: i on on virtually no topic there are a few there are a few but on virtually every topic i believe there's more than one right answer and it depends on context Mm. I, I meet a, a lot of people who are of the opinion that there is a right and wrong answer to certain questions. Whereas I'm, I'm of the belief that it really depends on context. Mm. And um, so this, so this, this leads me to think, for example, and this is a, a, a probably a controversial thing to say, but you know, I, I think that, most people in the world aren't good or bad. They're just trying to do the best they can with the resources they have and the knowledge that they have. Mm. And, you know, when, when, it, when it, whenever one side of an argument demonizes another, that's, that's the beginning of division. Um, so I, I, I tend to like absolute rights and wrongs. I, I struggle with cause I think so much depends on context and, you know, and history and so many other things.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Um, what one business is no one building in the world today?
1: Oh, wow. Hmm. Um, I mean, I you're think. an
0: entrepreneurial guy, right? You're always looking yeah. out for opportunities. Which business yeah. do you think, you know, if if someone could do this, they would really make it.
1: I, th- I think at the moment, um, anything that is... if So events... Are going to struggle and have a hard time right now, whether that's conferences, courses, networking events. And I think I saw a tweet earlier today. I can't remember who it was by that was essentially said something like, you know, r- rather than um, asking how can I make my virtual conference like a real world conference, why not ask the question how can I make my virtual conference a really awesome virtual conference? Right. And and I think there's a whole piece of innovation that says, what will events be like? And, and this isn't just COVID related. You know, when I look at my nieces and nephews or, you know, young folks that you see out in, in the streets or whatever, the way that they interact with content is different than the way I did, you know, at their age. Mm. And so I think that, that whoever reinvents and properly innovates events is going to make a lot of money.
0: <laughs> brilliant thank you so much adrian for spending the time with us we really really enjoyed ourselves and we hope everyone uh, got their full value for listening to this podcast
1: <laughs>
0: i hope so and thank you so much for inviting me it was a real pleasure thank you uh where can people find you on social if they're quite you know taken by this charming adrian and want to follow you and learn more about you or ask you a question about this and that
1: yeah sure so linkedin is always good so if you search for me i'm adrian reed that's r-e-e-d also on twitter i'm at uk adrian reed and my blog which is www.adrianreed.co.uk Um, those are the three main places and you can find out out more about what I do at work at um, blackmetric.co.uk and yeah and please do reach out I'm always really happy to chat and talk and tweet and about all of this stuff.
0: Thank you so much this was another episode of the Turning Points with myself Tepo. Bye-bye stories that inspire. She came from Greece sculpture at St. Martin's College that's where I caught her eye
1: She told me that the deck was loaded, I said my case I'm not Coca-Cola she said fine and then in 30 seconds time she said I want to live like common people, I want to do whatever common
0: I want to sleep with common people I want to sleep with common people like you oh, what else could I do?
1: I said, oh, I'll
0: see what I can do I took it to a supermarket I don't know why, but I had to start somewhere So it started there Remember? can Also be a part of the show by sending us your comments via voice notes or emailing us at the turning points podcast at gmail.com. The turning points podcast at gmail.com.